My name is Lawrence Cruz, and I'm one of the pastors at Clearview Community Church. In fact, I'm the site pastor at the Wasaga Beach campus. Thanks so much for uh, tuning in today. Well, uh, if you've been watching, you're aware that we're in a series in the book of Luke called Investigating Jesus. And uh, what we wanna do is allow people to investigate Jesus and walk through the scriptures with us. And we're trusting that as we do that, you'll get to know him better. I'm hoping to know him even better as I walk through the scriptures with you. So we're looking forward to today. I wanna to talk to you today about John the Baptist. And the tagline would be the perplexed prophet. Have you ever been perplexed? I looked up other words for that. Have you ever been baffled? puzzled. Uh, you're saying, what's going on here? Are you kidding me? <laughs> like shocked, blindsided. Ouch. I have. I've more than I like it. I found myself asking that question. What the heck is going on here? What's happening? And you can probably just even tell I don't like that feeling. Do you? Well, I've got some good news. I serve a compassionate God who loves you. He cares deeply about you. What's compassion? It's been defined as, here it is, watch, your pain in my heart. Don't you love that? We're going to go to Luke chapter 7. And in this chapter alone, we're going to learn that my God, Jesus Christ the Lord, is confronted with the miseries and the complexities of four different people. Well, there's many more than that, but this chapter, there's four. Who are they? A dying servant, a grieving widow, a perplexed prophet. You can see that's what we're going to talk about. And then a repentant sinner. And Jesus helped them all. He was compassionate towards them. You know why? Because compassion doesn't measure it ministers. So today, let's meet the perplexed prophet and see our Lord's compassionate responses to his need. Lord, as we walk through this passage together, I pray you'd speak to us by your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Luke chapter 7, verse 1. When Jesus had finished saying all this to the people who were listening, he entered Capernaum. So here's what I'm doing. We're going to, John is going to ask about the things Jesus said. We're reading about what he said and what he's doing. So he went to Capernaum. There, verse 2, a centurion servant whom his master valued highly was sick and about to die. Ouch, not a good situation. The centurion, right, a soldier over a hundred other soldiers, he heard of Jesus and sent some elders of the Jews to Jesus asking him to come, would you heal my servant? Four, when they came to Jesus, they pleaded earnestly with him. This man deserves to have you do this because he loves our nation and has built our synagogue. So Jesus went with them. Now he wasn't far from the house when the centurion sent friends to say to Jesus, Lord, don't trouble yourself. I don't even deserve to have you come under my roof. This is why I didn't even consider myself worthy to come to you. But 
Just say the word, Lord, and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority, with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes. And that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him. And turning to the crowd following him, he said to this crowd, I tell you, I haven't found such great faith in Israel. Then the men who had been sent to the house, they returned, pardon me, then the men who had been sent returned to the house and found the servant well. He was healed. Are you kidding me? What a story. Here's another story with those four people, right? Here's the, here's the next one, verse 11. Soon afterwards, soon after he heals a servant, Jesus went to a town called Nain and his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. As he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out. The only son of his mother who was a widow. Ooh, that's not a good situation in those days. A large crowd from the town was with her. And when the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her, and he said, don't cry. Can you feel the compassion? Then he went up, and he touched the buyer where they were carrying him on, and the bearers stood still. He said, young man, I say to you, get up. He's talking to a dead young man. Well, the dead man sat up and began to talk. And Jesus gave him back to his mother. Uh, how many of you think that would make the local news? They were all filled with awe and they praised God. I would. A great prophet has appeared among us, they said. God has come to help his people. This news about Jesus spread everywhere through Judea and the surrounding country. Here we go now. Next person, verse 18, John the Baptist, the perplexed prophet. John's disciples told him about all these things. What things? We just read about them. And calling two of his disciples, John sent them to Jesus to ask, Jesus, are you the one? Like, could it really be? Are you the Messiah? Are you the one who's to come? Or should we be expecting someone else? Wow, John is really doubting, wondering. Verse 20, when the men came to Jesus, they said, Hey, John the Baptist sent us to you to, to ask you, are you the one or should we expect someone else? At that very time, think of it, at that very moment, Jesus cured many who had diseases, many who had sicknesses, many who had evil spirits. They were driven from them. He gave sight to many who were blind. So he replied to these messengers, am I the one? <laughs> Go back and report to John what you've just seen. Go back and tell John what you've just heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, 
Those who have leprosy are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. And the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. Oh God, add a blessing to the reading and hearing of your word. John the Baptist, the perplexed prophet, was now in prison, friends, for some months. Have you ever been in prison? I've never been incarcerated because I got caught, but I've been in prison. What? I've gone in as a pastor and visited many people over my years. So have you been there? Some of you, you've been in prison because you were incarcerated. Some of you, it's not a literal prison, but you're trapped within the walls of confusion, misunderstanding, betrayal, injustice, and the list could go on and on and on. And sometimes when questions we have don't get answered and you measure a sprinkling of hurt and then a little bit more and disillusionment can be the result. I'm wondering if this is where John the Baptist was finding himself for a period of time. It must have been difficult. What for John? What? He was faithful. Check this out. He did exactly what he was supposed to do. And what did that get him? Okay, that hurts me, even thinking about it. The Jewish leaders, what they do to intervene for John? Nothing. He was just doing his thing, and now he's in prison. You know what it felt like? Jesus wasn't even doing anything for him. Because if he came to set the prisoners free, then what the heck am I doing here in prison? These are rational thoughts, you'd think, right? Or logical, at least. In other words, if I was John, I dare say I'd be feeling the same way. The Bible tells us it's not unusual for great spiritual leaders to have their days of doubt and uncertainty. I can list Moses did, Elijah did, Jeremiah, and Paul. These are four characters in the Bible. Perhaps you don't know about these men. You could Google them and just like, Moses, Elijah, Jeremiah, Paul, did they ever have doubts? Were they ever through hardships? Oh, were they ever? Warren Wiersbe says this, there's a difference between doubting and unbelief. He says, doubt is a matter of the mind. We can't understand what God is doing or why he's doing it. This doesn't make sense to me. And Oswald Chambers says, doubt isn't always a sign that man is wrong. It may, in fact, be a sign that he's thinking. So to have a doubt or and a wonder and a question isn't a bad thing, even as it relates to the Lord. On the other hand, the author says, unbelief, not doubt, unbelief is a different story altogether. And he suggests that's a matter of the will when someone just says, that's it. I refuse to believe God's word, as someone might say, and obey him. Are you kidding me? Talk to the hand. I am not believing it. I have no regard for it whatsoever. That's a far distance from doubting. It's called unbelief. Well, I'm glad to tell you in John's case, his questions were not born of willful unbelief, <laughs> no, but instead of doubt. And what fueled it? See if this speaks to you. It speaks to me by physical strain. 
emotional strain. He was tired. He'd been pouring it out. He was empty. And now he's in prison. No wonder he's doubting what in the world is going on. See, we know the story. We can look back at the ministry of Christ. You and I just read a couple of stories. And we can understand what he was doing. But John in prison, he didn't have that luxury. He didn't have that advantage. John had announced judgment, but Jesus was doing deeds of love and mercy. What? That makes no sense to him. John had promised that the kingdom of God was at hand, but no evidence of that kingdom could he see. What's the point I'm saying? He was perplexed. Who was? John the Baptist. He was confused about God's plan and how he fit into it. Wow, I'm listening. I've been there. Have you? Come with me here. The Bible, much of the Bible was written in the language of Greek. And the Greek word that gets translated to, we say, offended, to when we make it to English, translate it to English. That Greek word gives us our English word, scandalize. And it's scandalizo is how you would say that in the Greek, right? And it referred originally to a bait stick in a trap. What am I getting at? John the Baptist, the perplexed prophet, he was in danger of being trapped, taking on an offense saying, hey, 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 God, just a second. Are you ready? Because of this, because of what Jesus was not doing. Hey, I expected something different. I expected something more, God. What in the world is going on? Is that you? Is that who I'm talking to at this moment? Can you relate to John? God, where the heck are you? What's going on? So John sent men to ask Jesus that question. Like, this doesn't feel right. Are you the one I'm waiting for? In verse 21, Jesus spoke to the men that were sent from John. I'm so glad to tell you, he didn't give them a lecture. No, instead, you know what he did? He healed people of many afflictions because, I love it, he wasn't establishing a political kingdom, but he was establishing the kingdom of God. And it was there. It had come, clearly seen, experienced in power. And so Jesus waited till those messengers went back to John. Tell him, this has happened. The blind, the lame, tell him, go ahead. Once he left, I want you to know what Jesus did about John in prison. He commended him publicly. You see, John the Baptist, he wasn't a compromiser. He wasn't spineless. The Bible says he wasn't a reed blowing in the wind. No, he didn't waver or weaken. He, in fact, he was the last of the Old Testament prophets, and he had the great privilege of introducing God's messenger, the Messiah, to all of Israel. Some people were asking this then. Well, if John is such a great prophet, hear the logic. I can relate. 
If he's such a great guy, what's he doing in prison? What's the answer to that? And Christ makes it very clear, and I'd like to do the same. The answer, he was in prison because of the willful unbelief of religious leaders. You see, the people in general, the common people, they accepted John's message and they were baptized him, the Bible says, as proof of their repentance. John the Baptist, people responded. They said, I believe. They agreed with what God said about them, that they were people who had sin and that sin needed to be taken away. They had agreed, they admitted and received all that God had for them, and consequently, their sins were taken away. But the religious leaders, they said no way, and they rejected John's message. I wonder who it is right now. You too, you expected something different from God. Life hasn't gone the way you scripted it to be. And now you find yourself disappointed with God himself. Anthony Michael Bourdain was an American celebrity chef, an author, TV personality, a travel documentarian who starred in programs focusing on the exploration of international culture, cuisine, and the human condition. Have you seen him? He wore a tattoo on his arm that read in ancient Greek, also the language we referred to. And this is what it said. I am certain of nothing, said his tattoo. In an interview for the Men's Journal in 2014, Bourdain was asked, what are the benefits of hedonism and what are the risks? And he replied, look, I understand that inside me there's a greedy, gluttonous, lazy hippie, you know? I understand that there's a guy inside me who wants to lay in bed and smoke weed all day, watch cartoons, old movies. I could easily do that. My whole life is a series of stratagems to avoid and outwit that guy. I'm aware of my appetites and I don't let them take charge. Well, then when he asked, well, how should a man handle regret? And what's your biggest regret? He replied, oh, regret is something you just gotta live with, man. You can't drink it away. You can't run away from it. You can't just trick yourself out of it. You've just gotta own it, he said. I've disappointed and hurt people in my life and that's something I'm just gonna have to live with. You eat that guilt, and you live with it, and you own it. You own it for life, he said. Friends, end of quote. I'm gonna tell you, guilt is a killer. Disappointment, it's a ripoff. And you know what? In June 2018, at the age of 61, we got the sad news that this man had committed suicide. Wow, pastor. Where are you going? How do we break free from life's disappointments? Repeat verse 22, Jesus' words. Hey boys, go back and tell John what you've seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, 
Those who have leprosy are healed. The deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. We have arrived, friends, at a kingdom, oh, hear me, that gives us hope. <laughs> a kingdom that meets our greatest of needs, the innermost needs. You and I, we are created for relationship. Did you know that? We're created um, in community. To be in community, not superficial, hey, how you doing, and just living there only, but real, authentic relationships. It's a, a need for intimacy. God has created us in his image, and thank God he provides for that need. Christ also meets, meets our need for hope, for abundant life, the need for lasting joy, satisfaction, film fulfillment. And Christ said in verse 23, blessed is anyone who doesn't stumble on account of me. Friends, God has healed me. And I know many others, I was with some today, who will let you know how God has changed their hearts and lives completely. Has God changed yours? He wants to. Some of you here, you might, you're listening, you're saying, you know what, preacher? I want God to change my life. Take you to the Bible, it's Acts 16 and verse 30. There's a question, people just like you saying, well, then what must I do to be changed? What do I have to do to be saved from this pit of despair and disappointment? And they replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. Why don't you take the time right now to be saved, to receive what Jesus has to offer you through me right now. Receive him as the Lord of your life. Friends, let me help you. It's not difficult to do. It's meaningful. Oh, and it's not trite, but it's not hard for you to make this decision. To do what? To, to, from your heart, just pray to God that he'll come in and be your Lord. It's a prayer like this, ready? Lord Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. I make you my Lord and Savior. I turn away from my sin. God, come into my life, come close. Heal my disappointed heart, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Friend, if you prayed that prayer, I know that God heard you. And I bless you today. Why don't you do something? Reach out to someone at clearviewcommunity.church. That's our web address. Get a hold of us. Tell somebody. Call the office. And someone will call you and help you with your next steps in your incredible journey of allowing God to come and satisfy your deepest needs. Oh, wonderful. Can I bless you today? The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Thanks for watching. Have a great week.